0: Rainmaker FM. CopyBlogger is known for content strategy and writing advice. But did you know that we certify content marketers? If you have an exceptional writing voice and are willing to learn rock solid content strategy, check out rainmaker.fm slash certification. That's rainmaker.fm slash certification. Hello there. Welcome back. It's so good to see you again. Welcome back to CopyBlogger FM, the content marketing podcast. CopyBlogger FM is about emerging content marketing trends, interesting disasters, and enduring best practices, along with the occasional rant. My name is Sonia Simone. I am the Chief Content Officer for Rainmaker Digital. You can find me at least once a week on the CopyBlogger blog, as well as getting more mindset and ranty stuff at Remarkable Communication. Remember, you can always get the show notes for every episode. Those include links. They include free extras by pointing your browser to copyblogger.fm. And that's also where you can get the complete show archive. So in last week's episode, we talked a little bit about selling and sales. We're going to talk some more about sales today, because if we can't sell it, Nothing else happens. You know, that's the engine for any kind of business and many kinds of projects. If you can't sell it, then you have no fuel for for what you've got. You can't move it forward. You've got to be able to inspire and motivate and convince that other person to take the action that's going to move your project forward. Otherwise, it's simply a hobby. And as we've talked about, sales and selling are, they're heavy topics in our culture. Um, They have a lot of baggage that I think some of that baggage is something that we could just put down and, and maybe stop being so stressed about. So I recently gave a talk about selling and conversion strategy at a local business group. And I asked the audience a question. I asked them to think about a time when a salesperson made them uncomfortable a time when they had that negative experience with a with a salesperson in a selling conversation and i asked them to just explain it to the person sitting next to them for 1 minute and then it was going to be time to change roles and you know switch partners so at the end of this minute i practically had to you know unleash the hounds to try and get these people to settle down and trade partners everybody had something to say, and they were fired up. You could see it in their body language. Everybody had a story about feeling pressured or feeling uncomfortable or awkward as a potential customer wanting to spend some money on a product or a service and then just put into a really uh, unpleasant emotional state by a sales professional. And the pretty direct result of that for many people is they develop uh, negative stereotypes about salespeople, they overgeneralize. So they get into the "all oh, sales people are like that. And that overgeneralization keeps them from moving forward with selling what they have to sell. You know, we all do a certain amount of selling in our lives, we have to sell our kids on doing their homework. And we have to sell our spouse on, you know, making us like the thing to eat that we really like, even though it takes three hours to make. So persuasion is part of life. It's part of just human community. So one of the more universal expressions used when people talk about not being comfortable with a certain approach, a certain selling approach, is the phrase, the used car salesman. It's just funny how commonly that phrase comes up. And as it happens, I just bought a car and it was not a new car. And I have some thoughts. <laughs> on used car salespeople and the the ones who give the rest of them a bad name. So today I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the lessons from that, the selling lessons from a negative experience and then a positive experience with actually buying a a secondhand car. So the first attempt, the first salesperson we talked with, we had a car in mind, um, it met our needs, but it did need some expensive repairs. So... We talked to the salesperson, we said, Hey, this car needs two thousand dollars in repairs. You know, we would like to pay two thousand dollars less than what you're asking because you're you're promoting the car as being clean, but it needs an expensive repair. So just cover the cost of that and we'll be good. And the salesperson gave every impression that, that was that was fine. So just for my wording, you know what happened, which is that we went over there. It was of course all the way across town, as um, you know, many car lots are in kind of parts of town that don't have a lot of um, apartments or houses. And yeah, the guys, you know, they didn't want to move at all on the price. And the guy's manager said, just bring them in. So it was $2,000 more than we wanted to pay. And we pretty much left wanting to burn down the car lot. Um, Not just because there was a miscommunication on price, but because the whole experience was tinged with a lot of negative Uh, behaviors creating a lot of negative emotions. And of course, that's a metaphor. I wouldn't actually burn down a car lot, even though they made me mad. So lesson one from this, this is a, a little bit of an internet lesson, because it was less true once than it is today. But today, 21st century, 2018, there is always something else to buy. So if somebody makes me feel uncomfortable, or somebody makes me feel like, they don't respect me, or I don't feel like they're being particularly honest. I have a lot of options because the internet has connected me with hundreds, maybe thousands of people who would like to sell me the general kind of car I want. So I have all the freedom in the world to walk away, which is exactly what I did. So that is really the first used car lesson is maybe there was a time when, you know, somebody was in a bit of a corner and this was their only option because they had to to get something today. Now there are so many services and, and, you know, other kinds of professionals and individuals selling cars. You have so much competition. You can get away with a lot less. So you have to, um, you know, you have to be a good girl scout. As I've talked about before, you have to really be, um, very transparent and very cool with people. Otherwise they'll just go somewhere else. So a couple of pieces of traditional sales advice that actually move prospects further away, that we can show off with this example. The first is a lot of traditional advice will tell you to hide the price until the prospect comes in so that you get a chance to close them. Close being this, you know, somewhat um, aggressive kind of verb. You're going to somehow forcibly sell this person something, which is kind of fantasy in 2018. So that's what this salesperson did to us. They, he hid the price. He wasn't willing to move on it, but he hid that just hoping he could sort of, you know, make us forget about it when we came in. Well, you know, no, I'm not going to forget about $2,000. It's ridiculous. So you're not going to do that because that would be really lame. But, you know, a lot of people do have on their websites, well, you know, give me a call to talk about pricing for your project or, um, you know. We don't publish prices on the website, but if you fill in a contact form, we'll get back to you. The idea being, you know, come on in and talk to a salesperson over Skype, over the phone, whatever it might be, and we will close you. That's the, un, that's the implied backstory behind that, whether or not that's your intention. And it, it moves people away. It's like a, a magnet when you have the two like poles, it pushes them away from you instead of pulling them toward you. So sometimes your pricing is complicated, which makes this tricky. Um, classic example, any kind of a service provider, let's say you're a copywriter, your copywriting services really are going to depend on what that person's going to need. And some clients just need a little and some clients need a lot. So you don't know what that client's going to need until you've talked to them. And that's totally fine. But you have to remember that in the world of copywriting, a client can spend $25 or they can spend $250 or they can spend $25,000. And it's not just about how much work gets done. You know, it's about what kind of professional you're working with. And so if you have some kind of pricing available upfront where people can see it, people understand what ballpark they're in. So if I'm looking for somebody to write blog posts for $25, then I know immediately that I am not a good fit for a writer who has on her website a content overhaul that costs $25,000. I already know I'm not your customer. And the same is true on the other side. If I do want the really experienced copywriter to go through my site and sharpen up my content and sharpen up my web presence so I look incredibly smart because I'm trying to land a book deal or I'm trying to land big media interviews. I don't want somebody who charges $25 for blog posts because that person is not, I don't trust that that person will have the expertise or the experience that I need. I want the person who's got the content overhaul at $25,000 because that's about what I'm in the market for. So when you hide your pricing, you're actually hiding a really key component of your positioning. And unless you are at the rock bottom, low end of the market, you are going to waste your time and you're going to waste your prospect's time going through all kinds of conversations and justifications for why you're so expensive. So there is a way around this, which is if you do have complex pricing, if it does depend, which it often does, put a couple of packages on your site so people just have a sense of about what to expect. And make it clear that these are, you know, typically customized, but this, you know, if you had a monthly retainer client with two blog posts, two emails, and 10 product descriptions for their catalog, it's going to cost you this amount of money. And that just lets the right people know that they're in the right place. And it also lets the wrong people know that they should keep looking and not waste your time or their time. You know, the funny thing about the the car salesman is we probably would have done that deal for the price that they needed, if they had been honest with us and said, "This is I can't I can't do any more than this. I can't get better than this. So um, this is what it costs." And if it's for you, that's fine. And if it's not, we understand. We probably would have did. We probably would have done it. It was the dishonesty and the hiding that um, pushed us away. Copyblogger is known for content strategy and writing advice, but did you know that we certify content marketers? If you have a great writing voice and are willing to learn rock solid content strategy, check out the opportunity to be copyblogger certified as a content marketer by going to rainmaker.fm slash certification. Don't delay because our enrollment period opens in mid-September 2018. That's rainmaker.fm slash certification. So the second kind of um, traditional sales technique that doesn't tend to work as well as maybe it used to is to apply unreasonable pressure. Now there are some kinds of pressure that are reasonable. Um, So it's not that there shouldn't be any pressure because sometimes there is tension in a sales conversation because there's a gap right between what they have and what they want. That's always going to be a situation with some tension. So, if, um, for example, if you have something that is actually scarce, then you can just let people know there are only 10 of these when they're gone, they're gone. And that's how it is. And it, you know, that's a, a perfectly legitimate thing to say. And it creates pressure because there are only 10. And if you don't pick it up today, you probably won't get it. That's legitimate, reasonable pressure. It's not dishonest. It's just the way it is. And real talk about the world we live in. All of us in our culture are so distracted that we need a reason to do it today because if we don't do it today, we'll think about it tomorrow, but then 28,000 things are going to come up between today and tomorrow, and it's just going to get pushed to the bottom of the inbox, get pushed to the bottom of the to-do list, um, and it could be something that we really want. But if there's not a reason to act today, a lot of times we don't act at all, and it's okay to give people a reason to act today. So that's a form of pressure, if you will, but it's it's I think it's legitimate, fair pressure. It's not um, you're not pushing people to do something they don't want. You're just creating an environment where there's a really strong reason to do it right now. But the shadow side of this, the side of this that you know gets people really fired up about the used car salesman stereotype, is trying to use a manipulative or an abusive kind of pressure. The there's a, a very unpleasant kind of person who. Um, has an expression called negging. And negging is when a guy uh, puts a woman down to make her feel bad about herself and then presents himself as, the you know, she's so lucky that this creep would go out with her. So it's putting somebody down to make them feel bad and then presenting yourself as the savior who's going to make them okay again certain industries um, have so much of this fitness industry you know very much you know 80% of the fitness industry is about insulting people so they will feel crummy and then presenting yourself as the solution to the problem you just created for them um, but you know I see coaches do it I see you know I see a lot of different people do it now I have some serious issues with with this technique it does, work sometimes. You know, it's it is effective. It's why people do it. Um, primarily it works on people who have some kind of unhealed damage. Um, you know, people who have, for example, they they have a a poor recovery from trauma, something like that. So the number one reason that I have a problem with this is just karma. This is a horrible way to spend your life, you know, exploiting other people's pain is just a um, a dreadful thing to do. And For most people, this is just enough of a reason. Okay, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that person. So let's just move on to something that works better and isn't so gross. But there are two practical reasons to stay away from it. They're really the flip side of the same coin. Um, For people who think that maybe you have to do this to be successful, and I think a lot of people in some industries believe that. So the, the one side of the coin is, you are attracting people who are in a dysfunctional place. They don't have healthy boundaries, and they will bring that right to your business. So I've heard some private conversations with some of the more hard sell kind of internet marketers, the, one who, the ones who use a lot of this, and behind the scenes, they loathe their customers. And it's because they're in the business of selling poison to sick people, and it's not enjoyable. And then the other side of the same coin is all the people that you want to work with. So the people, the people you would love to have as clients, the people you would love to have as customers, they won't put up with that kind of garbage. You know, they're healthy people who set boundaries and they know perfectly well there's always something else to buy. So you pull towards you people who um, are very difficult to be in relationship with, and you push away people who are really enjoyable to be in a relationship with. That's just not a recipe for an enjoyable business. And it's actually not a very good recipe for sustained success either. So my favorite used car professional, you know, when we got to the lot, before he talked about the pricing, they made us wait for 20 minutes, maybe, maybe a little more than 20 minutes. And nobody was particularly, you know, stressed about it. Why? Because they sort of wanted to like, my my projection is they sort of wanted to make us feel desperate or put us in our place a little bit. Like, you know, you're coming to me and I have the thing you want. Um, Super counterproductive. (laughs) You know, um, never felt like I was being treated with respect in that entire relationship. And that was one of the key reasons we walked away. You know, even if it had been a misunderstanding, I felt like, uh, I was not respected in the relationship, and I have awesome boundaries about that kind of thing. And there's one more um, mistake or piece of piece of advice a lot of people follow that's not actually helpful. Um, less less true for my my used car salesman because that would be silly. But a lot of content marketers do this. They pretend they're not selling anything, and this I think is comes from taking advice from a different kind of um, sales advice channel, which is that channel that says you know um don't be all selling selling all the time it's off putting you know just give and give and give and give and give and then you're going to get and this is very appealing to a lot of people who gravitate to content to market um because they tend not to have a great skill set with selling They, all of the skill set that they've ever kind of looked at feels a little creepy and they don't want to be that sleazy prof- sales professional that that made them so mad you know in that experience so they'll pour out content and content and content, and then they do have to sell something because they're in a business and it's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You know, they come in with the pitch and it's like, where did this come from? Because the only sales advice they know is this kind of weird, pressure creepy, creepy stuff. So that creates tremendous anxiety. A, because, you know, In some cases, this person didn't know you had something to sell because you were so cagey about it. So then it's like, oh, we're in that kind of relationship. That's not the kind of relationship I thought we were in. And then B, their message, their sales message is so, you know, off from the tone of everything else in their content. It's not a good match. So I think it's important to just remind ourselves, there's no reason to be embarrassed that we have something to sell. It doesn't matter what you have to sell as long as it's not something, you know, unethical or that hurts people. Businesses exist to sell things. You can sell things and you'll encounter a lot of pushback. Um, it's funny because, uh, the United States is such a commercial culture and yet we have a tremendous pushback against sales professionals. It's just very interesting. Um, so you'll have people who want you to be embarrassed about selling and you know you have my official pink permission slip to tell them that um, you're not buying that. You, know, you set your own boundary. I, I have something to sell and I have no reason to be exper- embarrassed about that. What I have to sell is good and it helps people. But you really are much better off weaving good ethical sales practices into your work from the early stages so you don't run into that disconnect. So that's not about starting every message with buy my stuff, buy my stuff. But it's also not about trying to pretend that you're doing some kind of grand public service project and then, you know, changing the terms of the deal by asking for money. So both of those are weird and they're both off-putting. So I really advise let people know right from the beginning that you've got something, a product or a service to sell. And many years ago when I was starting my freelance copywriting business, Um, I swiped some wording from Michael Port's book, um, book yourself solid, very good book. And it was, um, paraphrasing, could you use some more help with that? You know, so I would talk about the topic and content. I would talk about, you know, uh, what a good autoresponder would do for you or what content would do for you. And then I would say, could you use some more help with that? I have some space available for clients. Um, here's how you can let, you know, let me know if you want to move forward. And it's low key, but it's also not, it's not pretending that I'm not in business. So I did close deals with that. I did get clients just with that. But you won't, you know, you won't make millions of sales doing that. The main purpose of it, apart from just going ahead and snagging people when they're ready to buy, is it just sends a signal. You know, it sends the signal that it's a business, that we sell things here. Um, and when you do move into maybe a more focused sales experience, it doesn't feel like it just fell from outer space, it feels congruent. Everybody knows the deal and it's not weird or awkward or uncomfortable for people. So there you have my tales of woe. By the way, I did end up buying a car, a car that was actually just exactly what I wanted from a really nice group of sales professionals. They were very respectful. Everything was transparent, there were no surprises. You know, they really appreciated that I had lots of options and treated me accordingly. Um, and it was actually a really pleasant experience. It was one of those like, wow, I hope I need another car in the next few years. I would like to go back to these guys because um, I really felt, you know, respected and I felt like I was being treated well and and dealt with honestly. So there are some awesome used car professionals out there. Thank you for your, 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 your service to selling.